All right, welcome to episode four. I'm super pumped to be here. Today, we're going to take a little different dive, a little different turn than what we've been talking about. We're going to kind of move away from trauma, and I want to talk about why self-care is actually important. As the name of my podcast suggests, this is Self-Care with Mare, so welcome. We are going to dive into the idea of what self-care is, where did it come from, why is it important. So without further ado, let's do this. So where did the idea of caring for yourself actually come from? Well, (laughs) wait for it, you guys. Any guesses? Any guesses? Ancient Greece, y'all, what? Self-care has been around since the ancient Greek times. This blew my mind when I Googled it. I was doing some research and I was like, I want to dive into this topic more. So according to the lifeofwellness.ca from a 2018 article, it is from founded in ancient Greek times. It was the desire for affluent living and life of luxury led those with less money, presumably, to become of service to those with more money. So this is what self-care meant back then. So again, that was from a lifeofwellness.ca website, and that was what popped up first. It was ancient Greece. And it was the idea that people who were affluent were served by people who were less affluent. And so I guess it hasn't, it's not the same now, obviously. But if you think about self-care prior to the last couple years, it was what, you know, massages, pedicures, facials. Those are the things that self-care was. You know, that's it. You took a day off. Maybe you took a nap. That was self-care. It wasn't talked about a whole lot social media-wise. And even among my peer group, I'm 38 years old. I have three kids. You know, we're all moms. We we would joke around about self-care, how nice it would be to have self-care. But it wasn't something we actually really did because, you know, it can be expensive. But that was really sort of just the tip of the self-care iceberg. Um... According to Marianne Williamson, if you guys know her, she's an author. She was actually a Democratic um, president, presidential candidate. I could have that wrong. Presidential candidate? Close. Wellness has become self-care, according to Marianne Williamson. And it's she thinks, she's been quoted on saying, a return to love instead of fear. So self-care in Marianne Williamson's eyes is a return to love instead of fear. Which is not far off. I mean, I... I don't know about you guys, but I really agree with that. If you love yourself and accept what's going on around you, what do you have to fear? You know, sit with that for a second. What do you have to fear? If you're sitting in a place of love, coming from a place of love and abundance, fear should not even be on the table. I mean, unless you're going to get attacked by a lion, but how often is that going to happen? So typically... Self-care was thought of as a pleasure... Sorry, my dog again. (laughs) Typically thought of as pleasurable experiences, like I said, hair, nails, massages, facials. That's where the origins currently came from. But long, long, long time ago, secular rituals meant self-care to be a calming the central nervous system action. So something you would do or not do 
that would actually calm your central nervous system, which is pretty cool. And it was often seen as self-preservation versus self-indulgence. So you got to let that sit for a minute. Self-care was often seen as preserving your state, preserving your mental state, being here and now versus being indulgent. You know, eating dessert after every meal, drinking the wine every night, taking a bath every single day. People thought those were self-indulgent acts, but really not necessarily the wine and dessert every night, although that would be tasty. It is really self-preservation. So when you boil self-care down, everyone has a different idea of what self-care is. But from your girl here, your self-care coach, for me, self-care is not indulgence. It's a priority. It is a necessary part of your every single day life. It's anything to help you feel good. It's not punishing. It's not working out because you didn't work out for three days. It's not running six miles instead of your normal three because you ate, you know, some potato chips with lunch. That's not self-care. That's punishing yourself. So this is the difference in researching self-care that kind of came up with these different ideas of what self-care used to be. It used to be viewed as self-help. I'm helping myself by running farther because I ate X, Y, or Z. I'm helping myself by doing this crazy high-intensity interval class, even though I'm not really ready for it and I'm not really sure what it means, but I have been eating really bad and I'm going on vacation in two months and I need to lose weight, so I'm going to go do it now. That's the punishment side of it. The punishment side of self-help slash self-care. And you can... Typically, you can use them interchangeably, those two words. But self-help is basically how to do something. Self-care is viewed as how not to do something. Whoa, that's pretty crazy. So self-help, I'll say it again, is usually viewed as something on uh, to how you do something. And self-care is about how you don't do something. And so when I say you could use them interchangeably, I think my mindset goes to I'm helping myself by not doing x y or z by not fearing the outcome of a potential conversation that might go well wrong or might go to the negative or I might be criticized so I'm helping myself push through and think about that conversation in sort of a you know what's the word I'm looking for um, like a mock setting where you have a pretend conversation with yourself. So self-help, if you have to talk to someone about something that's hard, that you deem as difficult to talk about, sitting and having a conversation, whether it's out loud or you write it down on a piece of paper, with yourself around that topic will help you to get all of those fears, those unknowns out of your mind and onto the piece of paper. And that is helping yourself. Because you're taking the time and care to go through this potential conversation. And a conversation, say, if it's about something that somehow somebody's been treating you badly. Or somebody was mean to your child. Or, some, you know, one of those things that it has a negative connotation around that conversation. And this is just an example. Helping yourself would be going through that conversation before it even happens. And potentially understanding the outcomes. That, for me, is also seen as self-care. You're caring for yourself so much and so deeply that you're taking the time to go through a potential conversation with yourself. I know it doesn't include the other person, but honestly, you guys, we have no control what other people are going to think, what other people are going to do. 
zero. And that's something personally for me that's been really hard to understand. I tried for so many, oh my God, decades to please people, to think of the outcome before the action actually happened, before the thing, the event happened, because I would want everyone around me, especially my family and friends, to have a good time, to have a quote-unquote good, positive, happy experience. So instead of just showing up and doing whatever it was with everyone else, in my mind, I had to make sure every single person that was there had fun. And I don't even know why. At the time in my life, I had no idea. Now I know I was a people pleaser because if everyone was happy around me, there wouldn't be any, you know, sad faces. There would be no aggravation. There would be no arguments. And, you know, coming from a household where, you know, my parents argued, uh, whose parents didn't argue? I didn't like the arguing. It made me uncomfortable. It made me fearful for my parents' marriage. It made me, as the oldest child of three, I was sort of, I had the eyes and the ears and my other siblings didn't. And I learned this about myself because I dove deeply into my childhood. And I wouldn't necessarily call it trauma. I mean, everyone's parents argue. And my parents are still happily married now. I mean, how am I? 38. So almost 38 years. So it's crazy, which is amazing. And super happy and pumped for them. But part of my childhood, hearing arguments and conversations that I didn't really like, I dealt with that by trying to make sure my siblings and then therefore other people around me were happy. See how that works? But I did that at a lack of preservation of myself. I did that as a detriment to myself. I would be bending over backwards, making sure, oh my God, that grandma had her coffee, that grandpa or my papa had his TV show on. We weren't being too loud. Like, and those are just little examples, but you know, whatever it is for you, you have to sit and sometimes think, okay, the situation I'm going into might not be ideal. It might lead to an argument or a tough conversation. How can I go about it in the best way without trying to please the other person? Because if, if, if you boil it down, if you're going to a conversation you know that isn't going to go well or might not go well, instead of you slash me being the people pleaser going through it and saying, okay, well, I just as long as everyone's happy at the end, no. To be a true adult, to be an actual physiological, <laughs> mentally sound adult, you're going to have confrontations. You're going to need to understand that it's okay to disagree. Agree to disagree, right? Like there's that quote out there. I forget where it's from, but my sister would know because she knows all those things. But agreeing to disagree is a real thing. And that's that's okay. For me, it took a long time to break that down and understand. Like I don't like when people disagree because it makes me uncomfortable. Well, why am I uncomfortable? Okay, well, I'm uncomfortable because when I was a kid, my parents didn't agree and my dad traveled a lot for work. I thought that it was bad that my dad was gone a lot and he was gone because my parents fought. Okay, well, that's not true. And, uh, you know, family tension, family drama, all of that kind of boils into how I became a people pleaser. And also, back to my childhood trauma from the previous two episodes, if everyone was happy and everything was going well, I was safe. I felt safer in my secret of knowing of what I'd been exposed to. It's so fucked up if you think about it. Like, that mask of happiness and 
contentment by those around me and myself made me feel safe, made me feel like I wasn't going to be questioned, made me feel like I didn't have to lie or hide anything, and I could just move forward. Like, oh my God, that rabbit hole we can go down, it is deep. (laughs) But back to self-care. So the caring less of others, the more time on creating who you are as a person and understanding yourself, that is really self-care. It's not a lack of doing something. Some people take it to the extreme of like, I'm caring for myself today and I'm taking the whole day off. That's That can totally be a self-care for you. I mean, as a full-time stay-at-home mom, yeah, that's ideal self-care for me, the tip-top. But that's not where it ends. For me, self-care is journaling when a question pops up in my mind. Like, well, I'm trying to think of a for instance. You know, um, my son gets really upset when I ask him to do X, Y, or Z. Well, I wonder why he gets upset. Is it my tone? I reflect on myself. How am I communicating to my children? And so I'll journal about that. Okay, well, I was upset about this situation, so I raised my voice and I yelled. And I didn't like that. It made me feel uncomfortable. Imagine how it made my son feel if I'm yelling. Gosh, that's really terrible. I should not yell anymore. And and you could shit all over yourself all day, but that moment of understanding yourself, even on the smallest level, is self-care, you guys. Making a commitment to understanding who you are and how you operate as a person in this world, for me and for my clients, that is the ultimate version of self-care. It's taking something that's seemingly hard and working on it, working through it until it's not hard anymore, which is exactly why I started this podcast. You know, talking about the hard things until they're not hard anymore. That's why we're here. You know, that's that's all I got. <laughs> that's my self-care in a nutshell. I mean, of course, we can go into so many different levels and views and ideas. But the biggest thing that I do with myself and with my clients is I don't necessarily have a morning routine aside from like going to the bathroom, washing my face, using my mouthwash, like doing my morning meditation and meditating. Some people think of it like you're just sitting still in a dark room. No, that could be meditation, but I like using the app insight timer. I love insight timer. It has so many amazing types of meditations, different types of calming, relaxing music. They have sleep meditations like yoga nidra for sleep i mean like kid stories y'all if you don't have the insight timer app i think it's 20 bucks a year you need to get it i'll put a link in my show notes let me uh, let me write it down here you here for you insight timer in uh show notes yeah okay got it if i don't talk out loud or write it down you guys it's not happening so Yeah, the morning meditation. And I don't do it every single morning. I'd say I probably do it four mornings a week. I'll get on my foam roller down in my garage and I'll put on my insight timer and pick a meditation. And it's typically a talking meditation where there's calming music in the background and there's an idea that the person's talking around. It's basically like a podcast. (laughs) But it's very much more in-depth, very much more introspective. And so that, for me, is one of my favorite ways to do self-care. And that... What happens when I do that, you guys, when I wake up early before the kids, when I take care of my morning stuff, when I go downstairs in the garage and I put on this app and I get on my foam roller and I close my eyes and I just stretch and and take deep breaths. And sometimes I have time to work out after that and sometimes I don't. But y'all, the mornings I do that, I am such, 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 such a better person. (laughs) 
like the best person I could be for myself. And this is, again, sometimes an argument. People are like, oh, well, self-care is selfish. Well, okay, if that's what you think, then agree to disagree, you know. But if I'm not my best Meredith, then how can I be my best version of being a mom, you know? I want to give my kids every opportunity to have a fun, loving, you know, selfless to a point, caring, nurturing mom. And if I can't do that because I haven't cared for myself, I mean, what am I doing for my kids? I'm not showing up the best way that I can. I'm not showing up the best way that I can for my clients because when I don't take care of myself, I get, oh my gosh, I get overwhelmed. I have my anxiety kicks in. I have a hard time breathing like the elephant sitting on your chest. I forget tasks that I do every single week or every single day because I'm just overwhelmed. And I get like, I call it getting flappy. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I like flap my arms around. (laughs) So yes, today's topic was self-care. I hope that you get a little nugget of goodness from this. I hope that you understand maybe if you didn't, now you do understand a little bit more of where self-care came from and how it applies to you. And if you guys like this episode, please, please, please share it with a friend or all your friends. Have a self-care party, you guys. I would love to coach a group in a self-care party. I would, oh my, that's a really good idea. I need to write that down. Anyway, I'll let you guys go. Have an amazing day. Remember, no matter what happens, try to take care of yourself. Be healthy. Be happy. Be in the moment. Take care, you guys. Peace out.